You're listening to the Shift Work Podcast, Episode 1. Today, I'm talking about how in the world we can think outside the box and the three key questions you need to ask in order to get yourself out of your box to increase your revenue and impact in your business today. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Luke Lehman, and you're listening to the only podcast for high-growth entrepreneurs rooted in business strategy and tactics as we discover the habits of high-performance leaders and dive deep into brain science. With over two decades leading high-performance teams, from fighter pilot to CEO, I'm excited to join you in your entrepreneurial journey. Shift the mindset needed to build your empire, keep more money in your pocket, and enjoy every day of the journey. Welcome to shift work. Hey, hey, folks, this is exciting as we get the shift work podcast kicked off, and I am excited to dive right in on one of my favorite topics when we are talking about the box. Man, I have had just about enough of everyone telling me throughout the entirety of my life that I just needed to think outside the box, and I struggled with it for years. And I thought that I was doing it, but when I realized what was happening was I wasn't actually thinking outside the box. What I was actually doing was thinking very much inside the box with the same set of circumstances and same set of conditions that got me into the place that I was already in into the first place. And while I might have been solving some type of more complex problem, what I wasn't doing was I wasn't thinking outside the box. We're going to talk today about the three key questions to increasing your revenue and the impact in your businesses on a daily basis. But before we do that, we got to figure out what in the world the box even is. And I got bad news for everyone here because there is no way physically possible to think outside the box. And in just the next few minutes, I'm going to explain to you why that can't be possible. And we'll actually go through a couple of mechanisms to figure out what in the world that we can do about it. Now, the good news is once you figure these things out and once you realize them, you're able to then come up with a new concept that's going to be able to help you expand your map of the territory or your view of the world and apply a new set of circumstances and decision making that's going to help you make better decisions in your business and eventually more money in your pocket. So let's dive right into it. Think back as you're listening to this. What was a time in your life that you thought you were thinking outside the box? And I'll give you an example. Flying airplanes, oftentimes we paint ourselves into corners metaphorically. We find ourselves where we just don't have just enough gas. Now, and and for those of you that have fear of flying, I'm not talking about the airline flying. I'm talking about tactical aviation where there is someone's life on the line at the other end of the radio. So we do things as military aviators that we push the limits and running out of gas. Now, obviously, we don't all the way run out of gas, but we might get to the point where we don't really have enough gas to go all the way to the next intended destination. And someone might say to me, Luke, let's think outside the box about how we could solve this problem. Well, the easy answer is to go find a tanker and go get some gas. But let's take this back into the business world. Let's think about it this way. If you're trying to bake a cake with instructions written in a foreign language and the measurements written in code, how successful might you be in making that cake? The problem is that we have this frame, 
this context of this box that we're viewing in. Language is one of those things, the way that I perceive problems, the way that I think about the desired outcome is part of the problem and part of the construct of this box. So here's the first notion. The box isn't a box. The box is a cube. So if you think about yourself standing inside your house, the house is the cube. It's the constraints of the things that you know. Go back to history when you were a child, your box was very small. And now as you've become more worldly in your entrepreneurial journey or in your as you become a CEO of your company, you've continued to open the box. You've opened the aperture or your map of the world. So let's look at how I define the box. The first piece of the box that's really a cube is the bottom, the floor, and that is your anatomy. It's the foundation, and it's the only thing that we really cannot change. It's comprised of the core of your being. As we zoom out a little bit and we think about how we got here in evolutionary history, what we find is that our brain is the result of thousands or tens of thousands of years of evolution. And as much as you try to think yourself out of a problem, you're not actually going to be able to change the way that you think about it because you have foundational components inside your brain. Your reptilian brain is designed simply to process things in a fight or flight mechanism. And you can't change that. So when we look at it and we begin to harness it, we actually can go do things with that mechanism. We can call attention to that it's a fight or flight mechanism. And then we can begin to use the other components of our brain to solve those. So let's at least accept that the foundation or the floor of our box is actually our anatomy. It's part of the way that you were raised. There are plenty of studies that show that the way that our bodies connect, the neuropathways, the maps in our brain are well-formed by the time that we're six years old. So don't think that you can beat the anatomy. You can't actually change the way that we solve problems, and you can't actually change the way that our body and our mind is wired. So once we accept that, then we can move on to the next piece of that. The top of the box is your desired outcomes. It's the ceiling, and it's what you can change the most by just thinking forward to what your desired outcome may be in the future. Now, here's an example. If I stand here today, and for me, I'm actually going to spend some time this summer because I want to learn to kite surf, which never done it before, but I know how to wakeboard. I know how to snowboard. I know how to fly a kite, which leads me to believe that by putting those components together, that I'm going to be able to kite surf. And I put that desired outcome out there in the future. I'm opening the aperture for the things that I may see. Now, that example is a little bit myopic. It might be a little bit small for us to think about. But let's say that I want to fast forward into my business world 10 years and say that I want to grow my business by four times, five times, six times based on what it is right now. By simply setting the future version of what I want to see, I can change the desired outcome. I oftentimes say that where your intention goes, your attention follows. Where your attention goes, your energy flows. So it's intention, attention, and then energy. And when we set that desired outcome way off into the future, 
We literally just put that into motion and then we begin to put the attention behind it that's going to show us how we can go accomplish that goal. So that's the first two. The bottom of it is your anatomy. The top of this cube is your desired outcomes. And then the last four sides. The four sides are described by your experience, your emotions, your values, and your community. So let's break those things down one by one by one. Experience. We, unfortunately, as entrepreneurs and CEOs, rely too heavily on our experience to be able to think about what future problems we may be able to solve. And while it's good and while it's foundational for us to be able to use that experience, it's extremely limiting in our mind and our thoughts about how we solve problems if we only think about it from the way that we had solved the problems before. In this discussion, our box was smaller in that time that we put that decision together the first time. Now, our box got bigger by and large because we were able to experience a result and we knew whether or not that decision had led to the correct outcome. But our experience becomes foundational and is one of the sides of this cube. As we think back to our experience, what we want to do is we want to grab the components that enabled us to make better decisions, not better outcomes. So instead of saying, I did this and I got that in return, I want to say, what is the decisions that I went through? What is the process that I applied that led to that result? And then I want to replicate that decision-making process as we move forward. The second side of it is emotions. And this is something that is often overlooked by CEOs and entrepreneurs. Your team, your customers are wildly in tune with the way that you carry yourself emotionally. And I used to use this vernacular in context that I said that I would carry my emotions on my sleeve as if that were some kind of badge of honor for my team to be able to see when I was angry or upset. But what I really found was that I did a very good job of showing them when I was angry. I did a very poor job of showing them when I was excited and happy and fulfilled and encouraged. So really my use of the language that said, I carry my emotions on my sleeve was really a bad way of saying, I let you know when I'm angry. So the second way that we close our box in, the second side, if you will, of this is our emotions. And all you need to do is think back to a time when you were angry and how you solve those problems. If you are at a heightened sense of anger or frustration, your body is doing things. There is chemicals that are moving through your body that are actually giving you a predisposition to not make sound decisions. Why is that? You're going back to the portions of your brain that are forcing you to be able to think through a fight or flight mechanism. And that's a very binary choice when in actuality, there's quite a few different choices that we may have. So being able to control our emotions is extremely important. And I don't just mean turn off the anger or turn off the frustration. I mean, be able to give credence to it, be able to be quiet and to understand that that emotion is affecting our decision-making process. So instead, what we might say is, I need to be able to put this emotion to the side, or I need to be able to put the decision to the side so that I can then approach the challenge that I might be facing from a place where I am in a better emotional state. The third component of this is values. 
And this is one of the hardest things for you to change as an entrepreneur. If you value freedom and you value time with your family, if there is a feel that that exchange for future revenue, as an example, is going to warrant less time with your family, it is going to be very difficult for you to understand and to regulate why you might perceive a challenge as something that you can accomplish because of your value base. So being present to what those values are, do you value sympathy and empathy? Are you a left brain thinker or a right brain thinker? Do you value revenue? And just as an aside, when we talk about money, and we'll explore a lot about money in this podcast and the limitations and the scarcity mindset, money is nothing more than exchange of energy. It's a common currency for us to be able to think about how we can apply our own time and energy and receive money in return for that. But if I value time with my family, which I do, I will forego earning opportunities because there is a finite limit for where I'm going to apply my time in exchange for money. So having an awareness of what your highest values are is one of the biggest components of finding the edge of the box. Now, if we want to change that edge of our cube or our box as we're describing it, we have to think about changing our value sets, and that is often something that we're really unwilling to do. The last and final portion of our cube is our community. You've likely heard it before that you're the product of the five loudest voices in your head, and I fully believe that. So in my family, unfortunately, I have a wife and two children which get to be part of those three loudest voices in my head. But those three people, and the reason I say it's unfortunately is not because I don't love them immensely, it's because they're not wired for entrepreneurial journeys, which means that I'm listening to the challenges they're facing. So the easiest way on the community is to turn off the noise that isn't helping you get to where you want to go. And I am on an absolute warpath against common media. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Netflix and I'll, I'll binge watch some Yellowstone, depending on when you're listening to this. That may be my show of the week or not. But the CNNs, the Fox News, the Bloomberg, the concept, if it bleeds, it leads, destroys the things that go into your head and allows you to get into a, a place of scarcity or limitations that don't support you in the way that you want to grow and scale your business. So community is this last portion of it. And when we think through what that community looks like, when you surround yourself by people that are doing the things that you already want to do, that's the place and that's the foundation for making your box bigger. This community is the easiest place for you to find a new way to solve problems and to make your box bigger. And, you know, I'll give you a good example for me is that in my military community, in the aviation world, when I surrounded myself 20 years ago with aviators who were really good at aviation, one of the biggest limitations that I heard from people was what would I do if I weren't flying airplanes? As if their hands, frankly, to, you know, to be fair, were their God's gift to the world. And I will tell you that nobody is really that good at flying airplanes, the airplanes are really good. The airplanes have a lot of automation and technology that supports you, and you are an operator of the system. But for me, 
what I had to let go of was I had to let go of a community that was often focused on aviation. I didn't want to fly airplanes anymore. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to grow a business. So I had to let go of allowing them to be the loudest voice in my head because what they were often talking about was going to get an airline job. They weren't talking about how to apply new marketing tactics or sales techniques. They weren't talking about applying the strategy and the mechanisms or growing a team. They were the loudest voices in my head that weren't supporting where I wanted to go. So that's it. Now that we have an understanding of what the cube is, remember that it's the anatomy that forms the foundation for that. You really can't change it because that's where you came from. That's the person that you are. On the top is your desired outcomes. And that's an easy one because you can simply push the top of the cube up. You can give your intentions out to the universe. And you can then begin to call your attention and put your energy towards that desired outcome. And the four sides of the box are your experiences, your emotions, your values, and the community that you surround yourself with. I'm a huge proponent and advocate for hiring mentors and coaches in a paid capacity. But for me, it's really about the people that I surround myself that help me broaden the view of my box. So why does that matter? Why did we spend the first portion of this discussing what the box was? Because I need you to know that you can't physically think outside of the box. The box is finite. The box is fixed by those components, those six walls, the floor and the ceiling and the four walls that are going to limit the way that you can think through a problem. There's a meme or a, you know some kind of image of, a, of two people standing on opposite sides of a number on the floor, one swearing that it's a six and the other swearing that it's a nine. And we can both see that they're correct because it's the view of the world. And, and, and let's just break that down specifically. If I'm person A looking at this number, I might swear that that number is six. And if my view of the world were limited into believing that there was no invert of that, I couldn't see the perspective of someone else. Person B, on the other hand, swears the opposite of that this number is a nine. Well, I have the benefit of being person C that can see that they're both correct. I am outside the box for both of those. So if person A might ask me as person C, well, what do you see, Luke? I would describe for them that I see both sides of the story. And when we can do that, when we can seek the counsel of others to say, what might you see that's outside my box? What am I missing? That's when we can truly open the aperture for how we solve problems. And it's very easy. I'm telling you my secret sauce. I win consistently because I have an ability to seek counsel outside of my box, knowing that my box is finite. I ask for other people how they might be seeing inside my box. And then in the characteristics of high performance, I consistently look to open the aperture of my own map of the world. I look to see the things that are going to open my box and my box continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And if I can make that box get exponentially bigger, that is when I win and I win significantly. And that's my secret power. That is it opening those apertures and views into the world. And then most importantly for all of this, I simply leverage other people's boxes. 
One of the things that I do extremely well is I build diverse teams. I don't want people that think like me. If I found people that thinks like me on a daily basis, what I would find is that I'm limited by our own shared views of the world. And by not creating an environment that's challenging, we become limited and we're going to keep ourselves small in scope. So that's the most important component of of defining the sides of the box. These aha moments about how to think outside the box led to a significant breakthrough and a significant change in the way that I thought about growing and scaling businesses. And when I was able to leverage this a few years ago, I doubled the revenue of the business. And the secret for me was finding a a group. So that goes back to the community. The secret was finding a group of mentors and peers that met once a month and we were able to share ideas and challenge the status quo and challenge the way that we were thinking. But you know, here's the analogy that I use when trying to think about thinking outside the box. If you can recall the first time that you rode a bike, there's this counterintuitive expectation of riding a bike that slower is going to be the thing that keeps you safer. Why? Well, because if you're going slower, the crash is going to hurt less. But as we all know that what we found was that the stability of the bike had less to do with how tight your core was or how well you could balance sitting on the top of two wheels. It had everything to do with your ability to continue to pedal and to keep momentum and to keep energy. And the faster the bike went, the more synergy that there was between the way that you pedaled the easier it was to keep the bike going. And it's the same thing in our own life. In business is that what we find is that we we approach the world from this scarcity mindset that if we just leverage the bare minimum that we can, that we'll get some exponential return. But that's like putting your feet down when you're trying to ride a bike. And what you really need to be doing is you really need to be pedaling faster moving the bike further along and taking more speed on because that's going to be the thing that leads you to more stability. And, and one of the things that I you know kind of use the, I draw the parallel and use the analogy for is I think about Tesla. When Elon Musk had the idea of an electric car, the idea wasn't to figure out how to keep it as small as possible and do entry levels into the market. It was to build a team that had a capacity and an ability to rapidly scale and to grow that segment of his business. And I know that we're not all Teslas, that's okay. But here's the thing that I want you to think about is how are you approaching your business? Are you approaching your business like you approach your personal life? Are you keeping the box constrained by things that you thought you knew You thought you knew about money management. You thought you knew about the way to grow and scale businesses. And here's here's one of the components that I'll tell you that was very limiting for me was that I was growing a business specifically in the early days, thinking about money management as I managed my own personal resources, put some money into an investment, allow it to grow, keep a rainy day fund. And I was thinking about it like a cash business. That's not the way that businesses grow and scale. They scale exponentially when you take on opportunity. 
And when I released that, I mean, frankly, it was limiting for me. It was an extremely limiting belief for me to be able to think about a business challenge. Well, I don't have the cash flow for that. But in my own life, and I guess if I'm being honest, in my own life, if I didn't have the cash for it, and I knew that it was going to be a good return on investment, I might consider drawing debt for it, put it on a credit card. But in our own lives, the problem is the majority of the things that we buy as a consumer are not appreciating assets. So the way that I approach financial management inside my personal life is I'm not going to buy something that's a depreciating asset if I don't have the cash to support it. Well, that doesn't work in business. That's putting yourself inside the box as that of a consumer, that of an employee. If instead you think outside the box and you go, I know that this has a positive return on investment opportunity, that it's accretive in nature, I have enough confidence, I have enough experience, I have enough emotional security, I know that if I invest in this, that I'm going to have the ability to grow and scale this as an appreciating assets and the fruits of this will be accretive in my business nature. So that's an example about finance and the way that I think about the differences between my business and my personal finances. But the components of this, when you think through this, some of my constraints of my own limited beliefs in the way that I was perceiving business were being mirrored in my business. When I saw things in my personal life, when I faced those challenges and then applied that same metrics into my business, that's when the businesses were constrained. And here's an example. When I look forward and I think through things as opportunities, when I view them instead of being problems, I view them as opportunities. When I view them instead of being as failures, I view them as being feedbacks. And when I view them instead of being impossible, I view them as if they had already occurred. My entirety of my body and mind and energy begins to go into a different place. It goes into a place of future-oriented positivity that something is already on a predetermined path for me to be able to accomplish those goals. But when I live in fear and doubt and scarcity and lack in my own life, what I found is that the business simply reflected me. If I thought that this was the last paycheck, if I thought that I would lose customers, if I thought that the problems that arose were going to be so limiting or so debilitating for my business that I wouldn't continue, that is a place that constrained my business and created the fear and doubt and the scarcity and lack. And of course, my business suffered. What I really needed to do in those instances was I needed to let go. I needed to be able to release the fear and release the doubt so that I could face the challenge through a lens as if it had already happened. So let's go back to my concept about learning to kite surf. If I were to think about learning to kite surf and I were to view it through a lens that I might get hurt, that my body is no longer 20 years old and that I'm not going to be able to sustain the necessary physical regimen to hold the kite up or hold my body up while being pulled by a kite. I began to tell the story about why it's not going to work, about why I shouldn't even try because I might fail. But if I change that narrative then to something that says, I view it as if it has already happened, and I get into the visualization posture 
as if it had already occurred, I can then see that I am already a kite surfer. And once I assume the identity of that person who is kite surfing, I then now backwards plan to the first steps and I put a sequential plan in action for me to be able to do that. Well, I don't know what I need to do to be able to kite surf. I venture to say I need a body of water. I venture to say I probably need some equipment. I could probably choose whether or not I wanted to pay someone to teach me or whether or not I just wanted to hop in the ocean, watch some YouTube videos. There's a lot of ways that I could do that. But instead of trying to get mired down into the problem or the failure or or the impossibility frame, as long as I change it to that of an opportunity of something that has already occurred in a future version of me, I can then walk my way into it. And that is no change in business. So when we go back to the box and we go back to the edge of the box that is our emotions, if we get truly present to the fact that we are fear-based and that we are considering a challenge inside our business as if it might fail, as if a client would leave and then all of a sudden that we wouldn't be able to carry on our business, it just doesn't work that way. Those challenges are no different. Those road bumps in life are no different in business as it is in life. And when we perceive those things differently as if they had already occurred from a future version of us that was already completed, we become so empowering for ourselves, our team, our customers, that you become on this predetermined or predestined path of greatness as if you cannot fail as you move along the day and along the way. For me, what that realization was was that I had to get to the point in my business where I realized that the day was complete, that I had to put the pen down, that enough had occurred, and it was the opportunity now to finish the day, to focus on those values, and to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I promised you in the beginning that there would be three key questions that we need to ask ourselves to increase our revenue and our impact. And I promise you, Now is the time for us to get into those things. So now that we have an understanding of what the box is, we can begin to figure out how do we actually open the box and how do we leverage the other's boxes so that we can have more broad aperture and that we can see the map of the world differently. And the first thing that you have to release, the absolute first thing, and I want you to say it out loud right now, is my business is no different than others. My business is no different than others. I hear it all the time from CEOs that are both young and old. Well, my business doesn't work that way, or it won't work because, or the market doesn't support, or I don't have the employee pool, or it's too technical, or whatever. No, your business is no different. Business is business. It's a fair exchange of goods and services at a market rate. If we can change some of those components, we're making micro movements. But at the end of the day, I would ask you, does the IRS tax your business any different than it? Ta- well, okay, maybe it does. Maybe if I'm Amazon and I've figured out how to uh, employ a team of attorneys so that I don't pay any taxes, which I don't know how much merit there is to that, but I do see the open source news reporting about that. But the point is your business and my business are the same. And we need to treat them the same. So stop acting as if your business is any kind of different or it's constrained by some level of market forces or demands that is any different from any one of the other CEOs that are your peers. 
The problem, frankly, is that we just don't know. If you don't surround yourself with a peer group of CEOs that understand that they're facing the same challenges, then what you won't know is that my business isn't any different. Whether it's five or 50 or $500 million of annual revenue, it's the same challenges, just on a different scale. People still struggle with accountability and communication. They struggle with the challenges on a day-to-day basis of financial management, building a team, generating revenue, delivery of products and services, same thing. There's no difference there. So when you think about it from the lens of, I have the same challenges facing others, I just need to seek the perspective of those who have already gone through this before me, then the problem is easy to answer. And the majority of this audience are not Fortune 500. They're not $500 million companies. They don't have a board. But let me just ask you this. Why do large corporations have a board? Why do they employ a CEO, but then have five to seven individuals, three, I guess at times, three, five, seven individuals who are responsible for the fiduciary oversight? It's because from a corporate level, we believe that we should seek the counsel of others to get outside our box. We should leverage other people's boxes to be able to make decisions that are the broadest in aperture. So here's what I would recommend. There's three key questions to stepping outside the box. It's physical, metaphorical. And when you apply these things, you're going to be able to open the aperture and think outside your box. So here's the first one. If it is possible for someone else, what made it possible for them? When you stop and think, if it's possible for someone else, What made it possible for them? You take yourself out of your shoes and you put yourself into their shoes. It's like borrowing their box. Think about it from a perspective of a competitor who had already solved the problem. Think about it from a mentor who is 10 years down the road who had already had the challenges. And as I'm recording this podcast episode, we are faced with this labor I would almost say crisis in the United States because the labor challenges facing us are so great. But do you think it's any different than any other generations? They've been faced with challenges in their business, whether it's supply shortfalls, financial limitations, natural disasters. Facing challenges in a business is no different. It doesn't change over time and your business isn't any different. So if I ask myself the question, if it is possible for someone else What made it possible for them? I can then think through what I can do to borrow their box. And frankly, just ask them, what made it possible for you to be able to do that? Number two, how would someone who is capable of doing this view the same problem? If someone had the capability of doing this, how would they view the problem? Financial management is one of those for CEOs. If if you're fortunate enough to employ a highly qualified CEO, you're winning. And you should take the counsel of that CFO probably as gospel. But for a lot of us, we as CEOs and entrepreneurs, we end up bearing the brunt of the financial management of the company. And one of the limitations is we think about it from our own limited perspective. But instead, if we said, how might a person who is capable of doing this view the same problem, how might a financial manager, how might a CFO, a controller, a bookkeeper, how might they view this? Cash management is a great problem. If you have sales that outpace your financial infrastructure, 
keep going. But how might the person who has already walked through that or had the capability to solve the cash flow problems, how might they view this same problem? The third question, if this were already complete, what tools or resources would I have needed to accomplish the goal? And this is the magic. If you can think forward to a future version of you that has already accomplished this task, goal, objective, milestone, ridgeline, revenue marker, if you looked back at that same person, what did they change? What did they put into place? What tools and resources did they use? Who did they ask? The answer, folks, is in the quiet. When you can get quiet and you can begin to apply a critical set of thinking and thought processes, when you can begin to leverage other people's boxes, when you can realize the constraints of your own thought processes, realizing that the box is simply a cube, it's defined on the bottom by your anatomy, the top by your desired outcomes, the four sides are your experiences, your emotions, your values, and your community, that I can begin to change those things. I can think through a problem relative to my highest value. I can change very easily my emotional state, or I can defer a decision until a place that I can get into an emotional state of being that supports this problem with an outcome that's predetermined for me, that's already occurred in the future version of me. I'll give you an example as we begin to wrap this thing up about weight loss. If I want to envision a future version of me that was in a different shape, I I use the joke, if I want to envision a 300-pound version of me, which tools or resources might I have used? I bet I would use Doritos and couches to be able to get me to the version of me that was 300 pounds. But if I wanted something else, If I wanted to be a kite surfer or a triathlete, what would that future version of me, what tools or resources would I have asked for to get me on my way? What community would I have embraced? What place might I have sought? What tools would I have had? What mentors would I have used to get me into the shape that I wanted to be in a future version of me? My encouragement to you is to open the aperture, to realize That by seeing the problem through someone else's eyes, you're going to be able to solve the problem in a manner in which it has already occurred in a future version of you. We move ourselves from a problem frame to an outcome frame, from a mindset of impossibility to that as if it had already occurred. And those are the secrets. So now that we know how the cube is defined, the cube is not a box. And we can begin to ask ourselves these three questions. If it is possible for someone else, what made it possible for them? Number two, how would someone who is capable of doing this same thing view this same problem? And lastly, if this were already complete, what tools or resources would I have needed to accomplish this goal? And by fast forwarding to the end of this, the one year, two years, five years, one month, when this thing would be complete, what would I have done differently? You're now able to step outside of the box or to at least view it from someone else's view. And that someone else, the best person 
is just a future version of you. You don't need to borrow anyone's expertise. You already have enough. You got enough information. You have enough experience. You have enough capability. And when you can view this challenge as if it's something that has already been accomplished, you will win the week. Thanks for listening. If you found value in today's episode, please take the time to leave a review so that we can build our community of high growth entrepreneurs. If you'd like to stay connected with me, go to www.lukelayman.com to find a link to your social media channel of choice.